this is The Causes of Things, and I'm your host, Michael O'Fallon. If you have been alive for 30 years or more, you have probably witnessed the greatest revolution in civilizational values of an entire nation in the history of the world. And in fact, as I said in years past and as well stated in a radio interview back in 2010, as crazy as this sounds, civilizational and moral change is outpacing technological change. Now, immediately, you may reject this statement by pointing to your smartphone or to social media, and you'd be correct in doing so. But what does that smartphone or your laptop actually do? Well, it is a portal to a limitless potential for knowledge. But in an age where every bit of known information that has ever been recorded is available to every person in the world at any second that they desire, there has become a great fear of the untamed masses, actually hearing and deciding for themselves what is right and wrong in regards to what they are reading, hearing, or seeing. Why? Because knowledge and the concept of cognitive liberty removes power from those that wish to be the information brokers of the new age of postmodern thought. But there is good and exciting news happening all around us. You would have had to have been completely disconnected from every facet of media to not realize that a new force of nature is surging through the strongholds of postmodern deconstructive thought. While many of the names connected to this movement are notable and worthy of focus, such as Ben Shapiro, Tucker Carlson, Candace Owens, and many, many others, there is one figure that should not be thought of as a voice among many, but someone who has become more of a movement than just a pundit. And that would be Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Well, Dr. Peterson burst onto the scene and became an internet sensation in 2017, dishing out common sense replies to the excesses of -of out-of-control, wacky postmodernism and the liberal progressive empires dispensing draconian challenges to free speech and cognitive liberty that these movements promote. Dr. Peterson is literally freeing people from the bondages of thought patterns of neo-Marxism victimhood schemes and the destruction of grand narratives that seek to tear down necessary hierarchies that hold our civilization up. Well, Dr. Peterson's understanding of the history of the corruptive concepts of racial identity politics and equity-based hierarchies led to my inviting Dr. Peterson to Washington, D.C. to speak at the debut event of Sovereign Nations. Dr. Peterson's topic? The Marxist Lie of White Privilege. The video that we captured at the Sovereign Nations event has attracted nearly half a million views, with the majority of the viewers, nearly 80% of them, watching the entire hour and 20-minute presentation. And that says something. It says that men and women value what Dr. Peterson has to say and are learning from his perspective. Well, Dr. Peterson's critiques of the oppressor versus oppressed neo-Marxist narratives of today's social justice movements, along with an equally critical examination of the founding fathers of postmodernism, who would be Michel Foucault and Jacques Derrida, have been devastating, showing the paper tigers of postmodernism for what they are. 
an attempt to overthrow our current civilization for a woke, reconstructed social model based upon skepticism and a rejection of grand narratives, historic ideologies, and universally criticizes objective notions of reason, human nature, social progress, absolute truth, and objective reality. It's all predicated on the idea that the reason that you categorize is to marginalize. And you categorize to marginalize to obtain power. And power is pretty much all there is to the postmodernists. Well, there's other elements of postmodernism that we will discuss later in today's episode and future episodes as well. So as Dr. Peterson has gained such a massive influential following, some of the more respected scholarly Christian reviews of Dr. Jordan Peterson have come from notable theologians such as Dr. Owen Strachan, Douglas Wilson, and Dr. James White. And I quote from Dr. Strachan, quote, I suspect that many readers and viewers of Peterson have little sense of the deeper tensions in his work. They are coming to him because he's providing them with what postmodernity has taken off the table, a meta-narrative by which to frame human existence. Here we land upon the second major reason for Peterson's popularity. Over against our secularist era, our man-centered moment, our self-celebrating culture, Peterson approaches life from the shadows, and he counsels like a stoic. Life is not triumphant in his view, at least not much of the time. Life is pain. We thrive not by winning in our vocation and by taking the spoils, but by facing down the madness and horror of a world gone awry. Strachan continues later in the article by saying, Quote, the stunning response to Peterson's material shows us what we already know as Christians. We must help modern men. Like Jonathan Edwards, we must preach the gospel to everyone we can, man or woman, boy or girl. Many women clearly like the strong masculinity they see in Peterson too and appreciate his ideas. But we must also take care to make men from boys. God has staked the future of his church on men. If we do not have men to preach the word and shepherd the flock, we do not have biblical leadership. And a church without biblical leadership is not a church. In the New Testament, men are pastors, elders, and watchmen on the wall of Christ's church. Praise God, we have what we need to form these kind of men. We have the word and the gospel. We have God's wisdom and God's creational design to offer struggling men wisdom that drives men and women alike into God-glorifying, heart-satisfying roles in the home, church, and society, end quote. Well, also, in reviewing Dr. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, Pastor Douglas Wilson, in a manner that is not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, states on his Twitter account, and I quote, Currently finishing up Jordan Peterson's 12 rules. It consists of pockets of silliness connected by long stretches of common grace on fire, end quote. Now, Dr. James White takes a more critical view of Peterson's presuppositions by stating, and I quote, 
Dr. Peterson has been great in exposing the fundamental flaws and simple irrationality of many of the left's pet projects today, and we can be very thankful for that. But we cannot use that as an excuse to not point out that the best a Jungian evolutionary worldview can produce consistently is a form of Pelagianism, a, quote, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, end quote, moralism that lacks the key ingredients provided by full gospel proclamation, end quote. But later, Dr. White appreciates Dr. Peterson for taking on the concepts of white privilege and postmodern neo-Marxism when he states, and I quote, I'm listening to all of this and I'm thinking, you know, there's so much that Jordan Peterson says that we resonate with as Christians. We are not exactly certain how to respond to quite simply the insanity that is invading our society. So I listen to what Dr. Peterson says about the foolishness of this stuff, referring to postmodernism and neo-Marxism, that's creeping into our churches. And just because big names promote it, it doesn't mean you should listen to it, and it doesn't mean that you should accept it. End quote from Dr. James White. So respected Reformed Christian scholars and apologists have had a fairly balanced understanding of the positives of Dr. Peterson as well as helping to provide a polemic that also understands and elucidates the issues with Peterson's worldview apart from the soteriological aspects of the gospel. And these are balanced, fair views. But there is a terribly negative push coming. Coming from men and women who are at the pinnacles of Christian denominational or seminary power, who are trying to protect their own new current postmodern urban ministry progressive agendas driven by the overarching strategies that we covered in episode five, the Bible's badges and business schemes. This attack will be coming from deconstructionist Christians who will encourage their followers to completely reject Peterson as they forcefully attack Peterson's training in Jungian psychoanalysis. Now, please note that Dr. Peterson has a very high view of the grand narrative of the Christian faith. But this should be understood with the knowledge that Dr. Peterson believes in the theory of evolution and is trained in the methodology of Carl Jung. Carl Jung, for those of you who are unfamiliar with his work, is the initiator of analytical psychology, which was clearly differentiated from the psychoanalytic practice that was prevalent in his day. Much of Carl Jung's teaching revolves around the grand archetype narratives present in Christianity. Jung also teaches the need for self-reflection and the taking up of personal responsibility for one's own actions. To be clear, Jung and his expressed worldview was not Christian, not in any biblical sense of the word. And this is where the attack will be directed. On Carl Jung and his psychoanalysis and the influence of his methodology on Dr. Jordan Peterson. Everything that Peterson states, all of his analysis on self-victimization, all of his historical understanding of the development of postmodernism and its deadly roots in neo-Marxism, his full and complete understanding of the history of Peggy McIntosh's white privilege theories, his dissection of Kimberly Crenshaw's flawed concepts of intersectionality, yes, all of this will be attacked as dubious because of Dr. Peterson's training in Jungian psychoanalysis. Okay, so why this massively harsh 
throw the bathwater and the baby out approach from some Christian ministers, apologists, and show hosts as opposed to the balanced analysis of, let's say, Dr. White, Pastor Wilson, and Dr. Strachan. Why? Because, as outlined in Episode 5, those previously respected teachers that have given themselves over to a scheme that is using the postmodern neo-Marxist tools of critical race theory intersectionality, and deconstructionism to fertilize the rocky soil of social justice-inspired self-victimization have everything to lose if the critical analysis of postmodernism is heard by their intended future constituency. The new coalition of Christian deconstructionists are not concerned about protecting the flock from the alleged evils of Dr. Peterson. They are concerned about protecting their investment into the postmodern, urban-centralized church growth method that has led to the following. Number one, hiring professors who are not biblical exegetes or committed confessional theologians, but instead are radical activists that instead of teaching Augustine, Calvin, Luther, Turretin, Edwards, and Sproul, are instead teaching Rauschenbuschism, David Cohn, Derek Bell, Peggy McIntosh and the fathers of postmodernism, Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault. Number two, turning once gospel-centered conferences into progressive social justice rallies. Number three, spinning off multitudes of urban and ethnic ministries focused on social justice, much in the same way that the Open Societies Foundations creates progressive 501c3s on a weekly basis, and thus creating the conditions for reflexivity to occur in a previously theologically unified affinity group. Number four, encouraging church members to attend unconscious bias training. So, everything has been invested in the new coalition of Christian organizations to believe that critical race theory and intersectionality might have come from a poison well, but... Because of a pragmatic commitment to a growth scheme based on faulty strategies, that they are both concepts that can be looked at as Calvinistic or Augustinian and can be useful in the growth of the church. Yes, that's right. The previously conservative and respected theologians are now trying to eisegetically blend the concepts of Derek Bell and Peggy McIntosh with John Calvin and Augustine. Furthermore, the new Christian deconstructionists believe that Marxism, in a postmodern sense, can be useful as well to help those that are oppressed to conquer the oppressors that have dealt them a bad hand. They believe that while these philosophies might be dangerous, they can be useful in helping them reconstruct the evangelical church in the dreadful image of neo-Marxism. So while they claim they don't quote, groove on Karl Marx, end quote, they have been gladly doing the waltz with Jacques Derrida, the two-step with Michel Foucault, the tango with Kimberly Crenshaw, the twist with James Cone, the salsa with George Bernard Shaw, and in the end, end up grooving on the oppressor versus oppressed narratives of Karl Marx. There is no avoiding this. There is no denying this. The Christian deconstructionists are committed in using intersectionality and critical race theory to forward their new woke power hierarchies. They claim that they are simply trying to grow the church and in private 
will ask for forgiveness for using poison and doing so, but still insist that it must be done. But the goals are not just growth in the church, but also power in the realm of progressive politics. Please remember, dear brothers who are listening, what you win them with, you win them too. It's not too late to stop the building of your own version of spiritual and political Babylon. It's time to turn away and start building upon the work of ministries of men like R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Vody Bauckham, James White, and others whose growth plans never relied upon the faulty analysis of politically motivated, almost Christians discovered, but instead relied upon the preaching of the word and the sovereignty of God. And this, too, is why Jordan Peterson is so dangerous. If the men mentioned above are willing to give Peterson the credit where he is due while, with great balance and care, openly critique Peterson where they believe that his presuppositions are in error or incomplete, and if they are willing to debate and dialogue with Peterson in a convincing way, as Alan Keyes did this past November at our conference, with Dr. Peterson humbly receiving the critique and stating that he would consider all that Ambassador Keyes had to say and would think through it, then the postmodernists have lost. Why? Because respectful dialogue has begun, and some of what Peterson says just might have to be dealt with in a conscientious manner instead of pressing the nuclear missile buttons from a distant keyboard. Engagement. Understanding. Disagreement. But a dialogue where the truth of the Word of God is revealed, considered, and at the very least, contrasted with secular philosophical presuppositions. Dr. Peterson is right about postmodernism. Dr. Peterson is laser-precise correct about Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault. It would be helpful if you were to listen to him and consider what he is saying. And all the while, being faithful Bereans. I will close with a quote from the end of an article written by Pastor Douglas Wilson, which, after a discussion of the lack of masculinity in the Christian church today, and how Dr. Peterson actually nails some of the issues behind the problem, and how young men, even with some of the warnings from Christian scholars in regards to Peterson's presuppositions, could still benefit by listening to what he has to say, by saying this, and I quote, It will not bother them that the elders wring their hands while pointing out that Jordan Peterson is not a Christian. That's right, he isn't. So why is he sounding more biblical than you guys? The fact that he is not a Christian should not be the foundation of your argument. It should be the foundation of your embarrassment. This is Michael O'Fallon, and this has been The Causes of Things.